<laughs> I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Like a doll's eyes. I love this town! Hello, city! Welcome, everyone, to <laughs> City of Geek Podcast. This is our end of the year. We made it through yet another survival, another year. We've survived yet another year. I'm not even going to fucking edit that. Words are hard. <laughs> We've been drinking already. <laughs> and that's what makes it fun. Woo woo. Uh, because this is, uh, we got we got lots of snacks, we got lots of drinks, and we got lots of fun, and lots of movies to talk about, because uh-huh. this is the best and worst of the year. Amen. Just, and just like last year, we were going to do top ten best and bottom five worst for, for Cody. It's about the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like to, I, I pointed out before we recorded this is discriminatory against me, and I will be filing a complaint. Uh, and we, sh- we should note who each of us are here, that way we have the understanding of the voices. If you're coming to us for the first time, because a lot of people just search up best and worst of the year, and they find random things to look at or listen to in our case. Uh, so if you're listening for the first time, I'm Bob Foster. Cody. Tony. Oh, wait, shit! <laughs> I screwed it up! <laughs> We're switching voices for the evening. They are wonderful uh, ventriloquists. Over mm-hmm. here. You can't see it because this is a audio medium. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm You could be watching it on the YouTube, which simply has our logo. On the, on the YouTubes. <laughs> on the YouTubes. On the YouTubes. On the YouTube. On the and Facebooks. then that would mean by default that would make me Tony. Uh, and of course, we do this podcast once or twice a month, depending on our schedules. Over the last couple months, we've been Bob. really busy or out of town or sick, uh, so Bob. we haven't got as many as, as we recently have. Hey, back in, in last month, both think you and I were out of town, right? No, no, you. Okay. Well, I went out of town. I was yeah. in New York, but we had it scheduled. But you got yeah, sick. I got sick because I was willing to stay up the day before. <laughs> I had to get up at four thirty in the morning. To record a podcast. But outside of this podcast, uh, you can find us at com <laughs> for all our reviews and articles and other fun things that we do. Uh, so it's not just this podcast, which you should subscribe to and share to all of your friends. Uh, so this, we are looking at the best and worst of the year. So uh, we've all watched a lot of movies and we are ready to talk about them. Any notes uh, in general about how you approached uh, the topic before we get things started? That's something you want to maybe let people be aware of or keep in mind as you talk? I weighed quality against how much I enjoyed it. I think most of us do in many ways. Uh, yeah. I, I, I have a... I weigh more towards my enjoyment factor compared mm-hmm. to the quality. I can look at something know it's good, but also be like, oh, that shit was boring as fuck. Ha! Well, I think that, that brings a lot into it. It's like, your personal enjoyment, uh, if it's just technical, it's going to be the same movies again and again and again. Yeah. And again. yeah. Uh, there's, your, there's... But what works for you in different ways. But number 10 is something that's yeah technically not a good movie but it's a damn fun movie uh but i go ahead tony oh i'm sorry i was going to say that, that that one of the key criteria is definitely how you react to a movie i it, it's very easy to respect a movie that does what it does well but as far as do you like it do you love it do you embrace it that's a whole mm-hmm. another kettle of fish so yeah, for for me, I think it's it's similar. The entertainment factor plays a lot for me, and and actually for me, it's also emotional response. What kind mm. of emotional response did I have? Very much. Because I have a cold, dead heart. So if something actually made me have feelings, then I I do take that to be fairly meaningful. Um, there's a, a a few on my list that I think are again are not necessarily the best movies, but they were ones I enjoyed the most. Uh, 
where a couple movies actually I have some honorable mentions which is where I put some of the movies that I was like I really enjoyed this but or uh, this was an exceptionally well done movie but, but maybe I didn't but but yeah I guess it all comes back down to the but that that I didn't necessarily it's, it's all about the but but oh so but. nice when it touched the honey <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if 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 something well because there's a there were a few I watched that I was like I know this is an extremely well done film I appreciate the performance the writing the technicality behind it but I didn't have an emotional response to it or I didn't have the emotional response I wanted and so I didn't put it on my list or I put it on my honorable mentions for one reason or another. Fair enough, fair enough. Did anyone else? Am I... Uh, no, I think, we, I think we all do that, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and there's a lot of like, really solid movies end up being my four list because I'm thinking, I'm going to note is there's a couple of things I haven't seen that I think might end up in my top ten mm-hmm. after so, Bob, this. So, how high is Alita Battle Angel? Uh, that ended up my four out of four out of fives, uh, which I'm about to get into. Um, oh, fucker. Yeah, Bob has a system. Yeah, I have a system and I want to note that yeah, I've seen about 200 movies that came out this year. Uh, so I did go through. Nerd! And oh I, 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 um, I, there's the same day that this post will post the first part of, of this list of little mini reviews of everything I watched. So if I'm not talking about anything in tonight in the top 10 or you guys' top 10 that are in mine, uh, and you're wondering where things fall in, uh, if since this is a geek website, we've all probably watched a lot of the same movies. Uh, and then, of course, our list probably all the lot of the same movies. geek and horror uh, and if you're listening to this from City of Geek, you'll probably watch a lot of the same stuff. So if you want to know where something falls into me, look at that article. You'll find a short review. Uh, everything I watch is split into one of five to five out of five um, at this point in the year. So stuff that I maybe gave an A to at the beginning of the year might be a C now. But you never know. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I, I basically but, kept a list on my phone the entire year of everything I'd seen. Yeah. And then I just, when I knew I really liked a movie, I put it in my best. When I knew I fucking hated a movie, I put it in my worst. <laughs> Uh, and well, here we are. And here yeah. we are. But, oh no, I haven't seen Little Woman yet. I haven't seen uh, Marriage Story. Um, I haven't seen Marriage things. Story because I lived it, so <laughs> I don't need to. There's a couple of things I think are really well done that might end up in the top ten that aren't there yet. But if you're curious about my thoughts, maybe reach out to me or find that, and I'll update things as things go by. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this. We're going to go around, as we did last year, each saying a movie, uh, starting with ten going up. Uh, at some point, we'll break and do worst depending on how we feel, probably mm-hmm. probably before the top top three. Can we um, throw out some of our honorable mentions before we... Before we get to number one, I guess. I mean, oh, is that when we... Yeah, that's or, what I figured. Yeah, okay. let's, let's cool. not tease those honorable mentions yet, right? All right. Because they might need to be someone else's on someone else's list. So if we wait Fair. Right Are we including one, porn on this list? Because I put no. porn on my the, list. Oh, shit! No, mine's kidding. all porn! <laughs> Well, uh, that actually makes you think it's something. It's not, not porn, but I don't, there's no TV on my list, so uh, there's no, on this particular list, there's no uh, episodic television. Um, later on, further down, there's like maybe specials. Uh, but it's, I just want to know You're that because, special Because Of my real top 10 list That includes You're TV very special to us Three well. TV shows Are in my top 10 Bob's trying so hard right now That's business And we're like Totally trying and to that's, that's what we do That's what we do <laughs> Which is our mission in yeah, life Is to derail Bob I Well anyway We're going to take a drink Every time Bob. We can try to derail Bob Yes Oh, okay. Don't fucking toast me You bastards Well, you're toasting with water That's bad luck That's not bad luck Yes, it is Wait, we're not going to get drunk, Tony. Uh, Tony, we're not going to get drunk, Cody. Like no, but well, I'll be angry and bitter about shit. Jennifer it. loved it. Yeah, that's what I think Jennifer said about it. I know, but I have to drive and I can't yeah, get super enough. drunk. You can have a drink now. now. But anyway, let's look at it. Yeah, give me a coffee cup full of booze. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a specific type of booze. Just give me, give me whiskey. 
Kim, give me whiskey. I got, I got you. I got you. I don't, I don't want no eggnog. I want straight whiskey. I behind you. Sorry. Right, I'm going to pause this for a second. Alright, we are recording again. Alright. <laughs> and that was the sound of Cody taking a... I just drowned half a lot. fucking mug of whiskey in one gulp. Alright, but uh, you actually do get to go first as you are to my right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what is your number 10? Fuck it. Let's look at my list. <laughs> Good thing to have your list ready so we can... I have my list up. That's Aww. it. You're done. You don't qualify. <laughs> we, All we, right. we pass you. First list of the year. Uh, I'm going to go Haunt. That was on... Uh, I don't remember where. I think it was Amazon. It was on Shutter. Shutter. Yeah, Shutter. yeah it was because I think it was a I Shutter. Uh... Actually, really, because you know it looked like a pretty formulaic bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're in a haunted house, spooky shit. Now, I actually really enjoyed some of the gore. Some of the scares were actually very effective, and they do a really good job of playing with um, the paranoia mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, that whiskey's good. Mark, <laughs> uh, well, well, official sponsor. Official sponsor. We should talk to them. <laughs> we yeah. should. Dan um, <laughs> You know, there's no like big names in the movie, but I thought the performances were actually pretty good. Yeah. There's some brutal ass shit in it, but it's not gratuitous. It walks a nice fine line, um, and you know, I do like if you love a good haunt gone bad. Mm-hmm. So you know, and this is the the one good haunt gone bad one. If you ask. well, LLC is great, but it's a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. A very different kind. Yeah, so like different House of October yeah. Build or 30. Oh my god, or... House October Build. <laughs> okay, first of all, fuck you, Kim. No, 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 I okay, the original I don't mind. The sequel's shit. The sequel I thought completely pissed on the original. Yes. I thought th- I, I enjoyed the original, but the sequel made me angry enough that now I sometimes look at the original and I'm like, oh the, the sequel was shit. Yeah. I like that we've gone on to a whole different movie. Um Yeah, yeah. oh god. No, uh, I I agree with you. Like it's it's a it's a really solid film, uh, and it was kind of a surprise. I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, or think it was as good as it was. Um, so yeah, I good. was very impressed when I I turned it on for a hundred nights. Pretty good. Yeah, uh, haunted number thirty four. My my list for the year. It's solid film. It's my five out of fives. And I thought I thought it was brutal. It was claustrophobic. It really went different ways. It looked great. Uh, and it really surprised me in many cases. Uh, mm-hmm. where some things like, okay, I see where this scene's gonna go. And in many cases, it didn't. Uh, and I liked it didn't really pull back on all things. And also had characters that actually had a lot of heart and a lot of character to each other. They weren't just victims. They had an actual connection to each other and backstories. I thought it really worked. It was a incredible surprise in the film. I know that most people I saw did really hell, enjoy living hell out of it. So I definitely give that. And it's on Shudder. If you have Shudder, check it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony, did you see Haunt? Uh, no, I did not. In fact, I, uh, of all of you people, I'm the old geezer who's seen the least movies. So my list may be somewhat Yeah, but you saw the coolest shit back in the day, so that outweighs it. <laughs> no, it's your well, age. Also, you, you see probably the most at Sif. Yeah. Than I have that, read so. Tony's book of reviews that he wrote as a child. Oh, God. <laughs> that motherfucker... Has seen everything. I just watched Dave Wells' Old Dark House. Actually, when are you going to write a book? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted. Well, well. I've been trying to get Tony to write a book let's, for let's, years. Let's, uh, let's... That's a topic, topic for but, another moment. Yeah, that is a topic. Okay. But, all, but all what Tony said, I'm thinking most of our lists probably be genre-heavy. Actually, mine is surprisingly genre-light. Mine, yeah, mine's maybe half-half, yeah. can come that way. It's definitely, you know, geek and... My, at least my overall watching the year is, is you know, is horror. It leans geek. Yeah, I think... <laughs> Probably for all of us. We all lean geek. Even if my top ten did not. But uh, that's a whole different list. Uh, can, uh, any other thoughts on Haunt before we move on to Kim's number ten? 
I'm chewing this cookie. He's All right. chewing a cookie. Cam, what's your number 10? Uh, so my number 10 is a movie that, again, gave me feelings, which I always resent slightly. Uh, but it's also a movie that somehow, despite my loathing of uh, this particular physical activity, actually got me running, which is Britney Runs a Marathon. Right. Another great film. Oh, wow. Uh, I thought it was utterly delightful again it it made me feel things um i appreciated that uh, where you have a movie with a a uh heroine who is is not a stick they didn't make it about i never felt like they were exploiting that i appreciated the fact that the whole time it was her there was never fat suits or anything like she she lost weight throughout the film to mimic what was happening to her character uh, julian bell man she julian bell is oh, is a God, fucking treasure that. and i why she does not work more i mean she works steadily like but why she is not more of a household name i think is criminal uh she is utterly utterly divine in that movie and and i also appreciate that like her character is not i mean she's a very flawed person and i really appreciate that we are leaning more and more into some female characters who are heavily flawed uh and that's good because we are all flawed humans and uh she is not perfect but she is 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 a really interesting Anyway, I, I, I very much enjoyed the movie, uh, and then, yeah. Yeah, I'll send up my, my fives mm-hmm. out of my list, and yeah, I thought it was incredibly real, mm-hmm. uh, really solid humor. It's, uh, I don't think I cried, but I think I teared up. I was like, no, oh, I, I cried. Know my wife cried. I flat um, out cried, and man. It was, it, was, it was emotional and funny, and mm-hmm. had great art. Very funny. And didn't follow the same... Uh, pattern that you expect from a movie like that, and also that yeah, the zero fat jokes which yeah. made it really, I really was, solid. I was a little worried going in that it was going to turn into some kind of where where either it was constantly going to be a punchline or that we were supposed to be like, oh look at you, you've transformed because you started running and got a little skinny. Uh, that was never the point of it. And there's one particular scene actually. Uh, when she's at, you probably know what I'm talking yeah. about, where she's at her, her brothers, or her sister and brothers, and, and um, with the other woman who is, is overweight, and she's had too much to drink, and she starts just saying the worst shit to this woman about her and her partner, and how her partner, you know, everybody looks at them and think, because you know, she's, because she's fat, she's like, everybody looks at you, and they're just thinking how ridiculous you look, and it's her self-loathing, and it's so... Uh, it was such a poignant moment and and so real too. Like as 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 someone who is not stick thin, like it's it's uh, it really hits on a lot of stuff. And again, I had feelings. So there you and go. That one's streaming on Amazon Prime. So oh yeah, that's right. That's right. It, it is now. It's an Amazon mm-hmm, original. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's but fantastic. I got to see it in theaters uh, yeah. as well. No, uh, it was. I just loved it. Uh, Tony, what are you looking at for number 10? Uh, number 10 for me is a documentary that I saw at SIF uh, this year that I was extremely taken by. I, it was one of the most emotionally resonant things I saw all year. It's a documentary called Kifaru. Hmm. Um, it is about the uh, caregivers of the last uh, surviving white rhino uh, named Sudan. Oh! And uh, it basically follows... Three of these uh, of these caretakers, and 
kind of how their lives are inexorably intertwined with the life of this animal that they're taking care of. And also, uh, in, in, in touching on the emotional immediacy of you learning to care for this animal, it also touches on a broader level with uh, stewardship of the environment and the world that we're in. And without doing so in a very forced and preachy way, it's a very, it's a great human interest story. It's a great animal story. It will give you the feels, and it's just, it, it's just a beautiful piece of work. It's absolutely pretty much close to my favorite documentary of the year. And my favorite documentary of the year, which I'm going to mention as an honorable mention, uh, um, has not had a formal release yet. So that's the only reason it's not up there. But this is a beautiful film. I believe it is streaming on Netflix right now. Um, but it right is now. definitely well worth a watch. Again, that's Kafaru. That's K-I-F-A-R-U? U, correct. Uh, I don't see it popping up here, but that could be... It's not part of my search. Um, yeah, I wanted to... That's interesting. I'll definitely check that out and yeah. see if I can find it. Um, definitely not something I expected to pop up in there. <laughs> I'm all about surprises, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kafaru is... I don't see it listed on Netflix yet. It doesn't record... I can't find any sort of distribution. It might be Amazon Prime. Um, nothing's popping up for it just says add to watch list and look at the IMDb uh, but keep an eye on it maybe it'll, it'll pop up um, so it's definitely good to have, have that note uh, in there uh, my number 10 uh, is uh, Crawl uh, from ah. Alexandra Aja uh, the, right the alligator movie from this summer uh, so mm-hmm. it's talking about that like technically probably have a zillion movies that are better in it but that it worked out. It worked so much for me and Cody went to see it uh, and had a blast uh, oh, yeah. watching it. It's exactly the movie it claims to be. Nothing more, nothing less. And it's enjoyable for that. Uh, it's you know, it's, It knows exactly the movie it is. Uh, and it plays to Lewis' strengths. Not to mention that the uh, the awesome sets, the, the sinking set is really impressive. And the way that builds without feeling like forced to like, what happens next? You know, uh, that flowed really well. Uh, it did take different chances in there where certain things you expect don't occur. Uh, Barry Pepper and uh, I can't remember the lead, uh, the lead, uh, actor, the lead actress's name right now. Uh, they have a great chemistry and they give enough of backstory without drowning the movie. <laughs> the movie got but, um, and of course, anything with killer alligators and crocodiles is always a lot of fun. Uh, so I think a movie works. That very Kaya. Well Godelario? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to say Teresa Palmer, but she's not. She kind of looks like her. Oh, she's uh, <laughs> she's English. Huh. Golf Save the Queen. Uh-huh. I really liked it. I mean, shit. Um, it was fun. I mean, it was just fun. And, you know, Audrey mm-hmm. knows how to do a good, brutal-ass movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there He's a great of, director. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is a genuinely great director. Hills Have Eyes is better than the original. It is. Mm. I, I agree. Oh, it is. It is. Really, really intense too. That is, I'll defend that movie until mm-hmm. the day I die. No, well, I, I'm, I'm a huge high tension fan. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some people will give it shit because of the the twist, which is kind of weird, but I think it works no matter what. Uh, Piranha's a blast as well. Piranha <laughs> like almost leads into Crawl in that way, kind of getting that, a lot of the same tone. Except uh, Crawl's a little more serious than Piranha, which is a bit more tongue in cheek. Oh, very tongue in cheek. I I liked. Uh, your TV just turned on. <laughs> I think it was a fucking doll. No, I think it. Oh, is it you? 
Uh, Cody's wife's hanging out with us too. So. <laughs> Order's the haunted doll. She, the haunted she likes doll. her piggy on. You should have just not said anything. <laughs> and then we would have been like. I uh, sorry. Oh, and just turn back on. <laughs> go 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 g- g- ghosts <laughs> in the kitchen, Kim. Uh-huh. <laughs> I uh, my salad. I I enjoy crawl. I think it got a little overhyped for me before I saw it. Uh, because I heard from so many people how good they thought it was that when I, f- when I saw it, my expectations were really high and I watched it, I was like, okay, that was fun. Um, but I, I don't think I liked it quite as much as you guys did, but I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was well done. I like a good killer crocodile movie, mostly because I root for the crocodiles. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was well done. It was, uh, uh believable too weirdly although i think the thing that kind of pissed me off is there's a hurricane warning and once again people decide to not evacuate as someone who lives in south carolina i see that it's so and annoying it happens, it's like, it happens people. i know and this is why people die and then uh, barry pepper retweeted our review which is good <laughs> all right on so yeah uh, on to me? On, on to you, Cody. What's number, number nine? Number nine, number nine is going to be... Number nine. Number nine. Beatles joke. <laughs> Let's listen to Wait Album today. <laughs> Missing Link. Missing Link, nice. I enjoyed it. It was yeah. fun. I didn't see that one. It's, it's your classic uh, fucking weird-ass Sasquatch film. <laughs> Classics of those. Classic. With Hulu West, Lance Hendrickson, and arms being ripped off, but... <laughs> Someday, maybe. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was super fun. Very had a nice heart to it. You know, the Zach Galifianakis wasn't annoying for once. Really <laughs> Turning into a voice character, I think, might be helped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And having Lake uh, with that, you know. Because Lake has made nothing but amazing movies. Yeah. I really have nothing else to say, but it was fun. <laughs> I haven't seen fun. it, actually. It was... Something, you know, an adult or a child could definitely... It was very well-reviewed. I haven't seen it myself either, but it was very well-reviewed. As Bob and I were the ones who saw it. Yeah, justifiably like, so. Like I didn't see it in theaters because it kind of came and went really fast because it came it in did. the middle of between Smallfoot and Abominable, which I didn't see either of those. Not um, to mention it also came right before Endgame. Yeah, it came out April 11th. It came out on my birthday. It came out against Hellboy, which which is awful, um, and Little, which was okay. Uh, but it was kind of like everyone. everyone's kind of like just saving their movie money. Avengers uh, working in a movie theater at the time like our attendance drops like in all of April until Avengers came out um, no I thought yeah I thought it was, it, I, I think it's the weakest of the Lake of movies or Leica however you pronounce I've it I've never seen any I think it's Leica um, the dog oh yeah from, I was going to uh, say like the space. dog <laughs> uh, which made uh, if you're unaware it made Paranorman and Coraline uh, Box Trolls and mm. Kubo and Kubo Two and Strings oh yeah uh, so that's a pretty big pedigree films. yeah uh, and their work is is so well done, and they really care about filmmaking and stories. I think it's the most basic movie they made, in the best way you can say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was still a really solid film. Uh, but yeah, I recommend it if no one else has seen it there. Um, so right, yeah, right now we're in the bitch where everyone's like, oh, I saw that, and maybe one other person did. <laughs> they played wrong, we'll get to watch Rumble see it something. <laughs> Uh, all right, Kim, what's your number uh, Number nine? So my number nine is one that I feel like artistically should be further up my list. But again, coming back to entertainment, this was an extremely well-done movie. Really interesting and very original plot. Um, but not something I want to say I'm going to watch every week because it's also a, a little heavy. Atlantics. 
Oh my gosh, I just saw this. It's one of my honorable mentions. Ah, yeah. It's really, really, it's streaming on Netflix for those of you who uh, might want to have access to it. It is both um, a really tough look at, uh, it, it, it somehow walks this line between realism with a supernatural element in a way that I think is rarely done. Absolutely. For the first two thirds of the movie, oh, it's not even a it's not even a it's genre. not a it's not a genre film at all. It is it is uh, very much a. I mean, there's all the economic factors and 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 the the lead actress in it is so so good, and she really carries the movie. Absolutely. And uh, then the supernatural element kind of comes into it. And, and in a different way, in a, in a similar movie, uh, in some ways, with the, the Tigers Are Not Afraid, that kind of deals with some of those, like, uh, life is very hard, and, and these are people coping with life very hard, but there's kind of a, a fantastical element to that that doesn't exist. This is, is very naturalistic, it is very realistic, until... It's not. It's not, but even when it's not, it never There's, feels yeah, fantastical. Very true, very true. It's just very straightforward. Even as that you start to realize there is a, a supernatural element to it, the supernatural element is played so straight and so matter of fact. It works really, really well. It, it does. And there's there's one scene and I remember being very captured by the physicality of all the women involved. Yes. Uh in the in the club in the bar yes where and they're all inhabited and and you're just seeing this very specific physicality and it's so striking and it's a really nice contrast to an earlier moment in the film um it's it's really exceptional uh if you're afraid of subtitles please get over it for this movie because (laughs) it is it is really really well done female director too um uh, watch it I honestly haven't heard of this until right now. But oh, seriously! It's on, yeah. it's on, oh, it's on I Netflix. Know I see it's on Netflix. And it also, I mean, it was a, it was a big deal because it's the first time. Was it a, a woman or a? It wasn't just a woman. It was a woman of color where it had a film um, admitted to one of the film one of the major film festivals. Yeah, I forget which one. Uh, yeah. And and it was a big deal at the time because it was the first, it was the first time. But it it's it's female directed. Uh, it's exceptional. Yeah, it Watch is it. so good. I yeah, I, I, I really just kind of um, kind of tag teaming off of that. Um, I think spiritually, and this kind of gets back to the tigers are not afraid thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it does it does that wonderful job of combining gritty realism. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know what, uh, kind of in the in the same way that uh, I mean, it's very much something that I think Guillermo del Toro made yes. a very like like kind of kick got the ball rolling in terms of presenting very realistic gritty scenarios in uh, you know in in uh, that feel very gut level mm-hmm. and then introducing you know fantasy fantastic elements mm-hmm. to it and it really does i mean it's very i remember the movie just really sticking with me after i saw yes, it yes yeah it's, it's really good and some there's a, a a poetry to a lot of the dialogue later on um, there's there was a conversation specifically I remember near the end that that really really stuck with me. Uh, it's it's <laughs> I, that lead actress she 
She is she just, striking. She just exists in it, yeah, too. Yeah. She's existing in every it's, moment. Yeah, I think one of the great things about that movie is that everyone in that movie feels like a real human being. Yes. It, and that's and when you get that level of kind of earthy realism with the with the principles in the film and how it's shot. It's beautifully mm-hmm. shot, but it's also shot in almost a documentarian style. Yeah. Um, when you've got those elements combined with fantasy, it, it, it grounds the kind of fantastical elements mm-hmm. and and it makes them resonate a lot more. Yeah, yeah it's a great movie. It's I, really beautiful. It was very close to my top. Yeah, the, fir- the according to the director was the first uh, first movie directed by a female black woman. Well, yes. female black woman. But you know what I mean? A, a black woman. In <laughs> 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 can competition. Ever. Yes, yes, that was right. Uh, so um, I'll, yeah, I'll have to check this out because I definitely you know, outside of what, you know, two trust, very trusted opinions. It is a slow it, burn. You guys talk about it. Uh, it's a slow burn, but thing. it's uh, yeah. but it, it's it's worth it. Absolutely. And, but again, you don't have to be a genre fan to appreciate this movie. Oh, it's, yeah. it, because it's really, I mean, it, the, the supernatural element is so rooted in realism and so rooted in like the style never leaves this yeah. very gritty feeling this yeah. very real i am watching this portion of someone's life yeah, i keep seeing magical realism pop up in yeah descriptions and that by sounds that's really an ideal description yeah Absolutely. uh it is it is it, it is worth a watch um again please 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 don't let the subtitles throw you off. Um, I think partially because a fair amount of it is told visually. Yeah, that it is true. It is it is a very visual film, and because I, I had to actually when I was first watching on Netflix, my subtitles kept kind of bugging out, and so I had to keep rewinding and resetting. But even doing that, I could tell what was happening because the acting is so strong and the visuals are so strong. You know exactly what's going on. All right, sounds great. Yeah, I've never fucking seen uh, it, so you guys said it better than I did. (laughs) So, uh, Tony, what's your uh, number Uh, nine? Number nine is the beginning of a trend of films that are sophomore efforts by directors who've done mm-hmm. movies that really um, spoke like to five me. different things right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and I, between my top ten list and my honorable mentions, there are a lot of movies that qualify for this. So my number nine is Us, Jordan us. Peele's um, mm-hmm. sophomore follow-up to mm-hmm. Get Out. Um, I will readily um, cop to the fact that Us is nowhere near as consistent as Get Out. Mm-hmm. Get Out is kind of a compact, perfect little movie. Everything it, it sets out to do, it accomplishes. It's it's basically taut and tight and unpretentious, and it just gets its point across. It's brilliant. Us is much more flawed. It's much more sprawling, but it's also much more ambitious. And I think visually, it's infinitely more ambitious. Um, it its reach sometimes exceeds its grasp, mm-hmm. but I absolutely was transfixed the whole time. It's peopled with great performances, and it is. Peter Nyong'o, yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. So Peter awesome. Nyong'o is amazing. Oh it. yeah, and and, and, and she's so good in it. Yeah, just dies. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, you know, girl. <laughs> Boom! Oh. But you do but yeah, <laughs> I, I was just, I just was captivated. I also think it it signals Jordan Peele. In addition to just being a capable director of genre, mm-hmm. I think it also harbingers him as a great visual stylist. I think yeah. there is so much great stuff going on visually in this movie that I was just I was just captivated from from frame one. I 
also have it on my list. It's a little further up, but I completely agree with what Tony said. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I will take credit for what Tony said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's a great, great movie. I love the, the visuals in it. I thought it was... Obviously, it's not perfect. I think it kind of does have a couple points where it drags, but I love the mystery behind the world. I love the fact that Jordan Peele never really explains yeah, what it the just reason yes. is. And know, doesn't, doesn't need to. And that's the, the thing mm-hmm. is, like, a lot of films will over-explain yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> or under-explain. Or under-explain. Star Wars. <laughs> um, Both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But this one did a really good job of just being like, you know, you, you know exactly what you need to know, and mm-hmm. that's all you need to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it reminded me of a really long Twilight Zone that way. It's like, well, yeah. something weird's yeah. happening, and we're just going to go, and if you're on board, you're on board. We're if saying not, yes and. You're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people, a lot of the negative reviews, negative response, people are like, I don't understand why they were down there. It's like, it doesn't matter. Shut they the were. fuck uh, <laughs> I just, just take it and, and, and go. Like, there's sometimes where it's done well, and, and that works, sometimes where it's not done well, mm-hmm. and... It falls apart in this Star case. Wars. Uh, which is Star Wars. Star Wars. It's always going to be Star Wars. Star Wars to everything, aren't you? Um, but <laughs> it's not anywhere uh, on, on my top ten. Uh, but oh, it better not be. I'm going to eat you out this fucking podcast. <laughs> that's it. The lower end of the the better end. But anyways, that's it. Expect um, a body slam if you do put it on your top mm-hmm. ten. God damn. It'll be WrestleMania three right. straight up. Um, uh, but yeah, this uh, the I, I really think because he wasn't as clear with the messaging as well. I think a lot of people wanted to read more maybe racial into this oh, one. Yeah, like they, they, they're, they're, this one's really more of the underclass and like without getting into much of like the details of the movie for people haven't seen it but I think a lot of it came to uh, if you take someone who's in a different class and change in place of somebody else it's not the person it's their circumstances I think that's really what the movie's trying to say of course it'd be completely wrong hey man I'm I think that's one of the uh, that's yeah. a very good and I think there's it. a lot of different the things there and maybe just maybe you know there's draft would have maybe coalesced a lot of that together mm-hmm. but I really don't have too many complaints ultimately into my number 13 it was in my top 10 for most of the year and as other things I watched kind of like pushed it down but it still ended up in the very very top tier yeah it was in my honorable mentions I, I did not I, I see I didn't want to say I didn't enjoy it as much as Get Out I think Get Out stuck more with me partially because I thought the script for Get Out was tighter. Mm. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Uh, but the visuals in Us are stunning. And the casting was dead on. on. Oh, it was just spot on. Um, and, and again, I mean, I don't think anyone who is a genre fan who listens to us has not seen it yeah. because it, it is... It was, it, a, it was it, a giant it, hit generally is, for everyone. Yes, yeah. but it, it's, it's one of those movies that... Um, like, I, I feel a little bit like your genre cred is on the line if you haven't seen it. And I'm not normally somebody who thinks that. But there's some stuff that is, is topical. And, and, and this is definitely part of the conversation. Uh, but it is, it, it's an exceptional film. It's a great sophomore effort. And it makes me kind of excited for other things that he's going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Produ- I, yeah, between between watching him uh, produce uh, Lovecraft Country later this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Between, yeah, I was just going to say, between those two films, you get a full spectrum of an artist who is only going to do more interesting and amazing things. Yeah. All right. Tony, that was yours, right? Yes, it was. All right. So that comes on to me for my number nine. And my number nine is Dr. Sleep. Oh, that's in my top ten. Uh, all right, cool. Mine's further uh, up. So mm-hmm. I can uh, just put a pause on that until we get to it for yours, or we can talk about it now. Uh, what do you think? Either either way. Uh, I, I'll just I'll talk it's about it It's significantly further up for me, so it'll be a while before we'll be talking about it. Uh, so, yeah, I might as well just get in. At least maybe we can save your thoughts for then, mm-hmm. or we're gonna just kind of table things. Have either of you guys seen it? 
Nope. nope. All right, so I'll give up my thoughts, and you can give yours at that point. I guess there we, we discussed yeah. there. Uh, yeah, it's a worthy follow-up to The Shining, which I think is one of the my favorite movies. We saw it together for we the did. 4K yeah, restoration, yeah, yeah. and I got the 4K for Christmas. I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, <laughs> and the book itself is, is really solid, and I think it's a great job of mixing both the Shining book, Shining mm-hmm. movie, and the movie in the book version of the Doctor Sleep, because Mike Flanagan, as you saw in Gerald's Game, really understands Stephen King. Yeah. And he does a really good job of taking what works for King. It helps that this is a really pared-down book. It's a sprawling thing. This is a character piece, and he's really great with character pieces, uh, of seeing Danny 40 years on with all these, you know, uh, to use the title from the Paul Tremblay book, Head Full of Ghosts. Uh, which I actually haven't read the book. I've owned it forever. I haven't been around reading it. Uh, but he's carrying us around. I think it's a really great take on the effects of addiction and bad things that happen to you when you're younger and how they affect mm-hmm. you. And I think The Shining is essentially about trauma and uh, and this, the original film and, and book. The book, not the movie as such. You know, it's so much about addiction and alcoholism and everything, how it affects you and your kid now as that kid is an adult and how he's not fixed from everything that happens. Um, yeah, but yeah, Ewan McGregor does a great job there. It's a great script that brings through. The only real issue maybe comes in the the end of the second act with the, um, the the almost oh, climactic. Bob, Bob, don't spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna spoilers. see it, but also don't spoil it. Uh, there's a there's a part in the second act that doesn't completely work that queers out a bunch of characters that kind of mm. cuts everything down but doesn't really mm-hmm. work. I think I know what you're talking um, about. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cliff Curtis is great. He's he's mm-hmm. a, un, a really unsung gem of an actor. Um, oh, he's fantastic. He, As an actor, he's just general, fantastic. Yeah. But Rebecca Ferguson fucking kills it as Rosa Hatch. She yeah. just steals this movie. Uh, and their scenes are so beautifully shot with the astral projection, uh, which is a really hard thing to film. You can write that pretty well, but filming it can come up really silly, and it came up really well. Uh, and even the ending, uh, this isn't a spoiler to say that the third act happens at the Overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, and mixing what happened from the first movie into this... Well, and now we have to spoiler tag this book. Um, but they it really work. <laughs> Maybe some issues there are a little too much like, hey, remember this at this point? Uh, but I think it really comes to... And it's a really rushed conclusion. But I think it's a really fantastic film of looking at uh, of everything there that I've been kind of going off on. Yeah, Tony and I were too busy getting laid to go see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a married man. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> and I went to... New- we saw it the night before we went to New York to watch Hades Sound. That's how much I really wanted to see it. <laughs> All right. I'm sad I haven't seen it. I really... I, yeah, me too. It was one of those things where I, I wanted I, to see it, and then it was only in theaters for like two weeks. It was not in theaters I that long. I think it came out the wrong time. It did. Oh, it if it came out weeks March, later. It would have just killed Although, it. I think if it would have come out, out around Halloween, I think it was a few weeks too early. I think yeah. Halloween would have been a good time. I think too. they were a little afraid, too, of um, alienating people who had not seen The Shining, mm. and afraid that people who had not seen The Shining... What... I, I think, think there's people who didn't see The Shining who maybe were afraid to see this because they wouldn't understand it. And as a standalone film, it also works very well. Yeah, you don't well, need to see it helps. No. I think but. the problem, one of the problems is that it was marketed, like the marketing was explicitly targeted towards fans of The Shining. Yeah. Like really super explicitly targeted towards fans of The Shining. So I, I have a feeling that might be why it didn't, why it fell short box office wise is because I think people, you know, I mean, you know, you have to be, I think, most for the most part, a certain age to have seen oh, The Shining and it, have really embraced it. Yeah. And, you know, the millennials who are uh, populating, you know, most of the box office nowadays. God, I sound like a crabby old man. We are the next generation down. We're like technically... Yeah. yeah, what are okay, you? boomer. What are right. you? <laughs> Thank you. Are you a millennial? I'm a millennial. 
millennial, man. This is an edge show. We're on the other edge. But you're talking more like the teenagers. We're the Oregon Trail generation. But it's also like it's a slow burn. It's not like a Halloween horror film either. So I was thinking maybe it came out earlier in the year or later in the year. Well, it it came out right after Halloween. So I think anyone who was like, I want to see something for Halloween. Uh, it was wasn't a silly... countdown. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I'll talk more about my thoughts when yeah, we but... get back to me. All right, so I'm going to set a table. Uh, doc... We'll just put Dr. Sleep into a box in my head and it's... we'll move on. Well, Dr. Sleep's mostly been talked about. Like I said, people who get laid don't watch that. So... <laughs> I'm refrain from commenting. Um... <laughs> uh... Oh, fuck. I don't even know what I want to put Number eight, name. sir. Number eight, I don't buddy. know what number it is. <laughs> I don't know. You were watching education. <laughs> oh! As I, go, as, as I start my master teaching program. That was fighting words, buddy. <laughs> I was a teacher, man. LLC <laughs> 3. Nice. nice. Oh, I forgot that as a 2019 release. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. I... Love the Hell House movies. I was actually yes. talking to one of my coworkers today about this. Uh, she really likes found footage movies, so oh. we were talking about found footage and how much I love, 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 love the Hell House series. Yeah. The first one really got me with the lore behind it. There was mm-hmm. enough lore to keep you really involved and you really wanted to know what happened. The second one was not perfect. You could tell no. it was rushed, but I liked some of the building blocks that it did do. Mm-hmm. And I thought the third one actually did a good job of kind of defying your expectations because mm-hmm. you're expecting really this bleak as shit found footage ending and you know spoilers I just like being a dick about spoilers ah. um, spoilers you know honestly it actually has a kind of a bittersweet ending yeah it, it really does a good job of like I've never seen that ending done in a found footage movie I'm yeah. so used to bleak as shit ghosts kill everybody mm. you're fucked demon gets you. that's why you've dropped the camera I actually I, I thought it was very well done. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a really good job of getting pretty much everybody back, even if they were just for a cameo. I wish they'd given a certain character some screen time, but I mean, other than that, I thought it was a very good kind of capper, and I really like the fact that they're going to continue to build the um, the legend of the, the Abaddon Hotel with more, uh, like a little mini-series, too. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I and thought... It's one of the... Those movies are some of the highest things that film shutters ratings. So that's, that shows a lot. Well, because I, I, I'm similar. I remember seeing the first one. Um, I got a screener for it uh, when I was still writing for the Horror Honeys a couple years ago. And being so surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And, and that there are some really genuinely... And I'm a hard person to even creep out anymore in a film. And there's some moments that are genuinely creepy. And I think that they... I'm, again, I'm like you. I am a, a found footage junkie. I love found footage films. Hell yeah, brother. Cheers from my rack. Boom. Um, but they they are just highly enjoyable, very well done, interesting, and they craft some really genuinely well done scares. I thought personally one of my favorite scares in the the first one, one of my favorite scares in modern horror history was when they're in the there's a point where it's getting like the shit's ramping up. And there's that scene where she's up against the wall and like weirdly like praying to like Satan or some shit, and then the 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 the, the, the clock in the dining room goes off, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it completely set table set, and it had been you know middle of the night, mm-hmm. and there's light you know there's candles lit and everything, and that just 
fucking works. And anything to do with that weird ass clown statue. I see the clowns in the basement get me every when they count the clowns and there's too many. That and that was I remember watching the screener and the hair on my arm actually going up. One of the best scenes in the second one is to do with that clown because he's like, no, the head doesn't move on that thing, and then it just goes. Yeah, which normally be a really cheesy thing, but it works in this case. I think the the film does the, all three of the films. Because it's kind of hard to watch, talk about just one of them. Uh, yeah, uh, it's true. Really They're all very of, connected. Since they are found footage, there's a lot of unbroken takes in them. Uh, maybe there's more in the third one since you're cutting around a lot. Uh, but what they do within those takes when you're not looking at a certain place mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. really shows a lot. And uh, they built up such a mythos behind the basement. Yeah! Without being too mythosy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to anytime they're in there, no matter what's happening, you have this, this unease to you. Mm-hmm. No, I, I honestly just, that one escaped my memory as being of this year film. I think because when I watched it, one, and it, it went... Mostly direct to streaming, but I'm assuming they may have done some sort of limited theatrical. They tried, yeah. and it kind of fell on its face. Oh, I, I was going to volunteer for it to get a free poster. I still might get the free poster. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, it like the Seattle showing. They needed to sell like 75 tickets. Oh, uh, yeah, happen. some companies that do that where yeah, you have to pre-sell and then they'll book the book. Oh, I think sold, like, um, ten. I think I wanted to do it, but I think the day it was going to do it wasn't didn't work for me for some reason. I was really bummed out because I I totally would have done that. Uh, they're they're really fun movie. We should reach out to the people and and see if we could get a get them to get them to interview or something. I would love that because he already replied to me on Twitter. Oh, yes, that's and then I now now I want to have his babies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to the third one, I think it does a great job of not repeating the plot of the first two, but still yeah. feeling in the world and feeling connected without uh-huh. feeling the same thing. Like it's my issue with the second movie. It almost feels like a kind of rehash of the first yeah. from like a slightly different angle. Mm-hmm. And the third one just takes that and says, all right, these happen. This is a whole different way the, of approaching the this. The second one kind of pretty much takes the first one and rather than setting it over a month, sets it over like a, de- a night. Yes. And mm-hmm. that, uh, but yeah, then the, not the big exposition speech at the end really drives me nuts. But, well, <laughs> that was beautifully done and I fucking love that actor. <laughs> and I That's make- a really interesting actor though. Uh, he's so interesting. off and so weird, and I love it. He reminds me of like a... He, it's like if somebody took Tony, made him <laughs> taller, <laughs> shaved him bald, and gave you a little more menace to you. See, I always thought he had a little bit of like a John Waters thing going on. Yeah, John Waters plus Tony. Plus oh Tony. Yeah. <laughs> if, you both, if you have a child... <laughs> Should I be flattered or insulted? Please. Both. Both. <laughs> John Waters, both. Move uh, <laughs> uh, on, Kim. What what is your number? My uh, number eight. My number eight is eight, 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 another one that was just a really good time. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a blast. Uh, ready or not? Right, hey, nice. that's also on my list. We yeah. can knock that shit out. Nice. Uh, it is. It is so much fun. Uh, Aunt Helene is like I. <laughs> I like see Tinder. myself. That's your idol, man. That is. That's my life goal. When I become an older lady, which I'm on my way there, but uh, I want to be just like her. I. I really admire her. I respect her work. I think that uh, uh, she's a visionary. Uh, it is. It is such a fun movie and and um, funny. The humor in it is so on point. And without giving spoilers about the ending, 
I cheered, I cheered. It wasn't like a screening audience. This was like a regular night. It was a regular night. And it was so satisfying. And the moment it started, it was just like, yes. So again, without without giving away spoilers. And Samara Weaving is she is just uh, absolutely captivating on film. She uh, she's sublime. Yes. Yeah. You when you see her on screen, you instantly want to follow her, mm-hmm. and you instantly like are connected to her emotionally. Absolutely. And there are not a lot of actors that have a really good job. He, you know, he really does, and and. You could tell, too, in general, the cast seemed to really be enjoying themselves. And yeah. I, I do think that when a cast is really enjoying themselves, that that pays off on screen. Yes. That you, you see that there is a, a just some, uh, there's an extra twinkle when a cast is having a good yeah. time. Yeah, you can see the tongue <laughs> firmly in their cheek in yes. the best way. Uh, yeah. But in the best way. Like, um, everyone's in on the joke, and mm-hmm. everyone's just... Sure yeah. game. Yes. Um, uh, and also, it may be a little bit on the nose, but I think it's also a wonderfully biting and cogent bit of class warfare satire oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, you know, so it kind of in the general spiritual vein of, mm-hmm. you know, get out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is, is a, a uh, horror film, a genre film that happens to to have a strain of topicality to it. I, I love it. It's it's like probably, I would say it probably would be like number 12 on my list. Yeah, that's uh, number 16 mention. in mine. Yeah, mm-hmm. Very really close. close. It was kind of like, it was in the top 10 for a little bit then to be bounced yeah, out. it is look so at, good. Look at fucking Mr. over here. Oh, it's almost in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's that's not a good thing. I'm so glad to put big brains in the room, put it on the top well, 10. I will say, I did make a fairly concentrated effort to, well, I, whether... Conscious or not, um, I leaned a lot more in my list towards things that were either female-driven or female-directed or female-driven and directed. Not exclusively, but uh, that was that did play into my list. Absolutely. I can, I can stand that. Yeah. As, as a vagina holder. And I do love some good old-fashioned class warfare. I thought you were going to say old-fashioned vagina. <laughs> it's like, you have some old-fashioned vagina. All right. Fair enough. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. Is he gonna bo- he's got a box full like Ed Gein. He did have a connect. He did have quite the collection. <laughs> Forbidden edible vagina. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Now I anyway, know. There's, your, there's, your there's your excerpt for the very beginning of the show before the before the, uh, before the uh, music oh, Lord. cues. Oh, that would make it my turn. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a feeling that this next selection is going to be on another couple of folks' lists. Um, speaking of sophomore efforts by directors who did amazing debut films, um, my number eight on my list is Midsummer. Mm, yeah, that is on, on my list. Yeah. Much further uh, up. Harry Astor's yep. sophomore. Um, I, Same here. Yeah, I. I liked it better than Hereditary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I think it's more ambitious. Mm-hmm. I think it is more visually stunning. I think it is more um, elliptical and open-ended. It is much more a mood and style piece. But I think it also has, there's also a core of emotional connection to it that really works. Um, I, again, I any movie that plops me into the middle of a, an environment and completely immerses me in it, gets my usually will get my now, unguarded adoration. One thing I'll say is I did not think it was better than Hereditary. It's very different than Hereditary. But I thought it was just almost a complete it's almost unfair to compare the films. I enjoyed I it more. That. I didn't think I didn't think it was better necessarily, but I as a movie I enjoyed it more. 
I, I went and saw it three times in the theaters. <laughs> I own Hereditary and still can't bring myself to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Same. Yeah. Like, it, it's like I think that's an interesting point. And I got point. Midsummer yeah. for Christmas. Because like, I, I think, I think that, for me at least, I think uh, Midsummer is is much more re- rewatchable. Yes. And we talked about this after yeah. the screening mm-hmm. because I feel like there's much more of a um, a playfulness and a joy a, a joyousness in filmmaking in Midsummer that's not there in Hereditary. Yeah. A lot Hereditary. of catharsis. Yeah. It, it does a really good job of like you know where that shit's going. Yeah. yeah. Everyone in Ari Aster knows you know yes. where it's going. Right? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like he knows you know where it's going. Yes. But he's going to take you on a ride. And it's a fever dream. I, yeah. I again, movies that that take long stretches where they strictly tell the story visually are something that I always especially lean towards. And Midsummer does that a lot. And it's interesting to say, like, of talking about how comparing to Hereditary, which is hard not to, because like, they're both about grief in different ways. In very yeah. different ways. Uh, but, like, we're Midsummer, where, where Hereditary is, like, almost all in, like, in the deep darkness. Mm. It's drenched uh, in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is all bright and sunny, mm-hmm. and very few scenes happen at night. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, and in this, a lot of this, every, everything that happens to someone is something that they themselves have gotten themselves into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they've all walked into, like, where Hereditary, everything is out of your control. Mm-hmm. You can't help what has happened. And this is. You got yourself into this shit, <laughs> uh, and but the grief and the scene with without spoiling the details around it of Thorns Pew screaming and everyone screaming with oh. her, um, that's a, such an amazing sequence. And that's a, and that's another. I think Florence Pugh really mm. should be like singled out for this movie because her character navigates some emotional terrain that would, if handled, just slightly differently would completely fall on its face mm-hmm. and she she does not there's not a false beat in her performance in the movie i think she's terrific because she's presented like well when you first we meet her after meeting the dudes first and the mm-hmm. dudes like hawk her up to being an awful girlfriend of this intern that's the reverse and so we kind of start and then it has to kind of turn around and she's such a great job of turning the movie to herself which is great yeah so it's four you know uh but she's an amazing actress that really is coming up mm-hmm. like um, Lady Macbeth from a year or two ago she's solid in that movie itself kind of iffy uh, Fighting in the Family was a huge surprise here didn't make anyone more in top 10 but it was I didn't expect like the movie at all and I loved it um, and the next year she's going to be in um, Black Widow mm-hmm. as Black Widow well, um, she's in Little Women in Little Women yeah which I haven't seen yet so uh, I'm going to talk more about it I think when I get to, or my thoughts on Midsummer when we when I get to it on my list but you know <laughs> But yeah, I cannot wait to watch Midsummer again. Like I got it for Christmas, and it's just sitting there, like yes. I know. I I'm, I really want to see it again too. I haven't had a chance to. Uh, so my number eight uh, is not a second time director, but a first time. We're gonna go back to mm-hmm. a knocking out of the park in your first go. And this person who directed this has been involved in Hollywood for a long time. It's not coming from nowhere, but uh, another. Uh, but we're looking at Booksmart. From ah, directed by Lizzie Wilde. Wild, list as well. uh, starring Beanie Feldstein and uh, an actress whose name I wrote down. I can't find her wrote down. Who's in um, Unbelievable and uh, this just came out on Netflix. It's a great show. My wife watched this weekend. Um, but Booksmart is yeah. It's for many ways it's a, it's a standard Wild Night, uh, but it does things in such a new and different and honest manner uh, that's still incredibly crazy as you expect from a movie like this. But also with really relatable characters that take the aspects of those characters and the other characters they interact with in a different way. Have you guys seen it? No. In I fact, did see it. Okay. That Jen, movie. Did you watch it? <laughs> she, I'm, I'm sorry, yes. I'm going to feed the cat. It's on my list further up. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 
Uh, so uh, keep beating Kim to the punch on certain things. Uh, but in without going too much of the details behind it, because uh, it's streaming on Hulu, you can watch it right now if you want. Um, where the character it's also on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, so it's on because it's on my list. Oh, nice. But for the grace of God, I would have had a chance to watch it in time for this show, and I did uh, not. But it's a really smart way of treating the characters that our late our leads see as the other who aren't really the other. Um, in the same way that Tina Fey and Thirty Rock went to her high school reunion and found that no, she's the asshole. <laughs> Which is a it's a great way of exploring those characters in that way that it's not us versus them, it's not jocks, it's not. Uh, you know, unlikable people is more of like you you separating yourself out, and that's what kind of keeping yourself out uh, by declaring yourself smarter, declaring yourself separate. You end up doing yourself a disservice. Um, but the Billy Lord really kills. Yeah, him. that's the next thing I was say. Billy Lord fucking knocks it out of the park as uh, as Gigi. She was supposed to only what was it like one one scene? scene, maybe two, maybe a setup scene and a joke later. But yeah, they added more scenes for her because she just exists in this other world. Like I think, like she lives in the same way that cats live. Like she jumps in and out of reality and pops up where you need her to. Living is completely different. She's yeah. But you know, Carrie Fisher's daughter, and she nails that there. <laughs> the um, almost and, makes up for the jingle jammy rap old navy video she's in. I haven't seen that. I know. But uh, Booksmart's hilarious. It's it's funny. It's really smart because the you know, title even says there. Uh, and it's if uh, with continual surprises along the way, and every scene is funny. Um, and it just, it really has a lot of, you know, heart and love to it, too. Um, yeah, it's further up my list, so I'm going to wait to talk more in detail about it till we get to it, but I, I concur. <coughs> All right. Uh, uh, sevens. Seven. My seven was actually Ready or Not. Ready so or Not, nice. Ah! I already pretty much said my piece on that. I thought it was great. I thought it was a lovely piece of class warfare. Mm-hmm. And frankly, something I hope we replicate. <laughs> <laughs> Play more games. <laughs> kill more rich people. Uh, kill more people. rich people. I mean, play what? more games and kill more rich people. Can I'm we get, both? Fuck it. I'm getting political. <laughs> political ball. You never. Ooh. Me never. Never. I, I think my favorite quote on this whole podcast is when I was like, you know, one of my favorite things about being alive is I was alive to see Ronald Reagan die. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> fuck that guy. May he burn in the non-existent hell. Skin. Um. So, are, we're on number seven, right? We are. My number seven is one I suspect is on some of your lists. Uh, it's a movie that... Okay, this is a funny story. So, my aunt was in town. My aunt and I go see movies together. Was it Double Dong Dog? It was. Uh, <laughs> we we preferred to go to and see pornos together. Right? So, um, her and I... Yeah, that's why I got I got one that was already open. Her and I um, had discussed what movie to go see, and initially she'd wanted to see Knives Out, uh, and I'd already seen it, so she's like, oh, all right. So the options on the table were Frozen 2 <clears throat> or Parasite. <laughs> and somehow, and I, I want to I want to point out that that she was the one that suggested when I mentioned the title, I was like, well, Parasite's playing, thinking she'd be like, no. She was like, oh, I've heard, that's good, let's go see that. So my aunt and I went and saw Parasite, and we leave the movie, I was like, how did you like this? And she goes, I thought it was going to be about immigration. <laughs> um, which is a really long way of saying that my number seven is Parasite. Uh, Which is further up my list. I, I, I figured it'd be further up somewhere. Well, and again, really, the only reason it's not is that and mine. Um, I think it's such an exceptionally done movie. It is so enjoyable. Um, it came down to 
that that yield emotional response. I had an emotional response to it, but not as extreme as the emotional response I had to a couple others. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but it is uh, it's funny. It's I have to say, there's one sequence that starts off the 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 fuzz with the peach, mm, yeah, <laughs> and the the music and every single beat of that with and then the hot sauce. Uh, yeah, that's oh, perfect encapsulation that movie how it builds and gets yep. crazier, crazier, and crazier, and crazier. Off another, and then it's perfection. <laughs> and then it's bright. I haven't seen it, but I heard it was a wonderful indictment of capitalism. It, it, it is another class war. It is yes, but it's also really affecting emotionally, surprisingly yes. affecting emotionally. Yeah, it's way it's it's much higher on my list, but uh, it's, so it, I'll abstain from right. It's through. one, and and again, I it almost I. This is where ordering of stuff too mm. for me kind of gets a little bit yeah. weird because it's it's <clears throat> I, I, like I, I I'm not somebody who ever has a favorite movie per se because it's <coughs> it's kind of like your favorite movie for a certain mood yeah this is of the moment like uh, this but yeah. what about like your entire mood when you see the Reliant. Oh, that's on one of my lists. <laughs> that's on my list. Just maybe not the 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 same the same one. Um, but it's 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 so smart. But I I also sort of felt like compared to some of his other work, this was weirdly one of the more sh- uh, grounded in realism. <laughs> We know the other works being a um, key pivotal point in a, the film. It is. Yeah. I would agree. Yes. Um, I don't know if this other works being Snowpiercer, Mother, yeah. not not the uh, not, Never Love Mother. God, I hate mother. that movie more than um, almost anything on this planet. And uh, the hosts. The hosts, yeah. Amongst other things. So that's the main ones to note. And and I I Snow Snowpiercer was one that I found <clears throat> so delightfully weird and yeah that's and one of my top movies of that particular. I year. just another loved wonderful class warfare piece. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I like the, the batshit world of that. I like the little bit of, like, fantastical that exists in, in a lot of his work. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was so smart and so tight and funny. Yes. Really funny. Even at moments where you're like, this shouldn't be funny, but it's funny. And just these little subtle Things and I, I also feel like when you have the kind of have and have nots um, that a lot of us are like, yeah, I could kind of see how you get to that point yeah. too. Um, without again, without trying to spoil too much, yeah, because it really is a movie you should go into as cold as possible. As yeah. cold as possible. I uh, will say on that note, trying to say as big is like the the rich in there aren't villainous. No, they're. More ignorant. Than ignorant. Anything. That's a good way. To uh, put it. Where it might, where it'd be really easy to say with some like, better or not, where the rich are straight up. Villains. Oh yeah, they're just evil. Um, yeah. This is more like, and they even talk about in the movie of why the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a movie that that yeah talk about layers like, and not even just like in the layers of the stuff it it says. It's building the movie of like one thing getting to the next thing to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And how I love the way it fell together and how everyone interacted with that and like the really deliciously clever ways that everything moved through from one scene to the next. Where it gets wild, it gets weird, but mm-hmm. never feels like it's never feels like a leap mm-hmm. uh, to the next thing. Even like in that climax where everything's just going nuts without going what it is. Both the climaxes where everything's going insane. Um, that it doesn't feel unnatural. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so I'll leave most of my thoughts for Parasite until a little later, but we can cool. cover a lot of them there. 
Uh, Tony. Uh, we're at number seven, correct? Oh, yes. My number seven film, I discovered actually just last week, actually, <coughs> it is a French film called J'ai perdu mon corps. Yeah, get your AKA, French shit out of here, Tony. <laughs> A.K.A. I lost my body. Mm. Um, I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is a French animated feature uh, directed by a gentleman named Jérémy Clapin. Um, and it is... Weird as shit, but it is incredibly poetic and incredibly beautiful. It's a very affecting romance with a very weird fantasy slash horror movie conceit, which is that at the beginning of the film, a disembodied hand, a severed hand, uh, comes to life and is trying to find its original owner. Um, This is interspersed with a uh, separate narrative involving a young pizza delivery boy uh, who... uh, it undergoes a, uh, a romance with a young woman in a building uh, to whom he's been delivering pizza. Um, and it's full of incredibly ingenious visuals. It makes a disembodied hand into a very affecting character going through a an intense kind of um, survival slash odyssey scenario. And I was just really unexpectedly moved by this and just like very much um, enchanted with how absolutely ingenious it was uh, visually and how heartfelt it was at the end. It is streaming on Netflix right now uh, and it I, I just was really taken by it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I Lost My Body is the name of it. Um, there are There is a subtitled version, which is the one that I watched. There's also a dubbed version uh, with Dev Patel actually doing the voice yeah. of the lead character, <laughs> good. Um, which I was mildly <clears throat> interested in seeing slash hearing because I definitely want to watch it again. Um, but yeah, it's I, it, it was a real left field surprise for me. I was really, really floored by how much I liked this movie. Yeah, I've seen it starting to pop up on um, Chucky's Out for maybe Unsigned Gems of the Year. It really, um, I would definitely put it in that category. Absolutely. And speaking of gems, I had not seen Uncut Gems. I don't want to see that then. <laughs> Unrelated. I can't get excited about that movie. I, I keep, it keeps popping up on lists. I just, there is zero about it that looks appealing to me. Fair enough, fair enough. Down to the lead actor. Um, I, I, there's a handful of movies I'm like, I really want to be excited about seeing this. I really want to go see this because I feel like I should. But also, I really don't want to see this. So, there you go. <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, moving on to my number seven is The Farewell. Oh, that's Alka higher, higher up uh, on my uh, list. We'll note that there. Uh, and this uh, really drama, dramatic comedy. I definitely, it's definitely a comedy with mm-hmm. a lot of drama and heart to it. I keep talking about heart in these movies because, you know, they, they were. This movie um, is full of heart. In, in a command form, like Aquafina, if you're one of those people to dismiss her because she's done a couple of dumb comedies... Uh, and some really like really broad comedy like say and like uh, much as I love um, Crazy Rich Asians her particular role was very very broad she she tends um, to gear towards the more broad characters a but lot but here she really pulls it together for a really dramatic base to it where uh, if you don't know the plot of this uh, she um, she goes home to China to visit her grandma and her whole family's going back there because her grandma's been um, given a diagnosis of stage 4 cancer but they're not telling her. Um, so they're all going back for essentially a goodbye, a farewell, uh, once you know from the title, but making it seem like her cousin's wedding um, and everything that comes from that of throwing a wedding together at the last second uh, to someone who's unaware of why everyone's really there with the, uh, the grandma's so sweet and so nice. And, um, 
and this this fam- this family connection. You see all all the history uh, in every scene from everybody, uh, without explicitly telling us that so much is sold through their looks and through little offlines, and they feel like a real family. And the the writing is so solid um, that it they could just drop cameras in someone's house as this happens, and it feels that. My number six, honestly, was us. Ooh, and I yes. really kind of said my piece on that. Okay. I mean, but again, who doesn't love an army of people dressed in red rising up against a bourgeois mm-hmm. and overthrowing them, maybe with some guillotines? 1917. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six, correct? Number six. My number six is um, Knives Out. Knives Out. Oh. You know, uh, that's something I haven't fucking seen, but everybody oh, says I know, me neither, and I could kill myself. I mean, if no other reason than for Chris Evans and that sweater. <laughs> whew, um, it's... The cast is perfect. You have uh, just these super... I mean, really, these superstar actors, uh, and it's so funny. It takes the the mystery, the you know Agatha Christie style, this this old kind of mystery, and, and turns it on its head. Um, the the actress, and I I need to look up her name because she is. I mean, really. And it's funny because you don't realize it from the previews that you're following her. Yeah, and she's she, probably the smallest name of the cast. She is, but and she carries it. That's why I probably she's not in the trailers as much, you know. Uh, uh, she's in the next... Uh, Ana, Ana de Armas, if I'm yeah. saying her name correctly, who plays Marta. And my God, she's good. Yeah, she's she the is, real carry of the movie. Yeah. She ca- and, and the fact that you're, you're again, you're looking at this movie of, of heavy hitters. Of, of um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Daniel Morgan Craig. And again... Chris Evans sweater. You know and the thing I really like Tony Collette. Collette. Tony Collette. What? You have just this this fantastic cast, and the the story for me was so satisfying, partially because my my parents particularly they love the old like the old British style Agatha Christie the mur- yeah. the murder mystery, and and I uh, I, I enjoy them because uh, I grew up in the household I grew up in, but I don't quite have the passion for them that they they do and i took my parents to see this movie and they loved it because all of those moments that you expect to go in a very specific direction and somehow they you know ryan johnson takes it and which is something he's very good at is 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 um, subverting your expectations but it is so much fun it is so much fun and it's it's again you're you just have this amazing cast and it's a good time. It is just a really good time. Yeah, it's incredibly raw looking film. I heard yeah. Chris Evans is a wonderful dick in it. Yeah. It, in such, it is such a great contrast to, like, coming out of, of the Avengers movies, I'm sure he is looking at all these projects like, well, shit, what do I take? And this is such a great way to be like, I am not just Captain America. Um, that is America's ass. It is. I mean, it's, <laughs> again, that sweater, man. It's America's sweater. But, uh... <laughs> He is, he can, he, he, even when he's a gigantic dick, he is still so good looking. Um, it, <laughs> I'm, I'm a straight boy and I will readily admit that. Right? I tell you. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's just so much fun. And it, what I like about it is that it is a movie that a lot of people can enjoy. Like, I, I took my parents to it and they loved it. Um, it, it, it is a movie that has kind of something for everybody, I feel like. You've got comedy, you've got mystery, and you've got uh, Chris Evans. So. And I love the fact of the mystery of, of trying to say, force bag here, um, 
that blah blah, blah no it's good um <laughs> that Ryan Johnson is subverting expectations kind of mm-hmm. almost like shows his hand in certain ways really early really early on and you actually you understand something hand instead yes uh and allows the puzzle pieces that I love mysteries and I've read a great chunk of Agatha Christie stuff, and I'm usually pretty good at piecing things together. That's why I don't like to watch a lot of trailers, so I see little bits here. Yeah. Now I piece the entire thing together without watching it. Uh, in this case, he knows what the audience expects. He knows what he's looking for. He knows what you're going in to look at, look for. So he's purposely giving you from a different angle. Even if you try and look at things from another angle, you still can't completely piece it. Like, I was most, I was kind of there, but so many things I didn't quite get. And when it kind of came together, I'm like, oh, yes. I think he <laughs> understands formulas very well. Because honestly, I'm one of the people that really liked his Star Wars movie. Yeah, I think most people did. Just the, like, um, yeah, I like it to the point where episode nine pissing all over it pissed me off. Yeah, no, I was the same way where I, I feel like it was it was really insulting to the movie. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed that he took something and kind of said, hey, let's do something different because yep. i'm sorry there's been nine star wars movies can one of them not be a little different but anyway uh i digress um between like this not as much as you might think you're digressing actually. oh it's true between like this and brick and looper and um i haven't seen brothers brothers Blue, but he does a really great job of of turning genres to the side but in a really well in a really manner. interesting way and also uh Daniel Craig's southern accent, which deserves, like, its own billing all by itself. Uh, As it did in uh, Logan Lucky. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's, part of what I love is how ridiculous his accent is, and I swear it gets more ridiculous as the movie goes on, but you, but that is part of why it's awesome, that you can tell he just kind of came in and was like, I'm going to do this thing, and then... Just kept doing it, and it kept getting grander and grander, and it was delightful. Yeah, uh, it's in the in my seventeen spot, so it yeah, came close to top ten. So I'm glad we're talking about it because uh, it was going to be an honorable mention if, if we didn't. It was at my 69th space. Five, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, it's, it's for me. It was. It was. It was so much fun, and I. I feel like when I saw this too, I'd seen so many movies. It's not that they weren't fun, but I'd seen movies that made me so sad. And this was one I was just like, thank God, I needed this. I needed this movie when I saw it. It was, it's just a good time. And, uh, All right, Tony. On. Tony? Number six. Number six. Number six. On my very genre-heavy list, number six is Knife Plus Heart. Which, is that 2019? Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It played oh! Yeah. Yeah, Shit. yeah. I, I think it was like it's another one that escaped yeah, me. Yeah, it was, it was at Sif, and then I had a brief then me, right after. Then yeah. yes. went to I, I, and I saw it at Sif, and I think for some reason in my brain I saw it last year at Sif. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't. Well, mean no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I. As anyone who knows me or who has probably listened to this podcast or seen me at Crypticon or whatever knows, I am a huge fan of the Italian horror subgenre known no. as the G.I. What? No. What? What? <laughs> and uh, Knife Plus Heart um, turbocharges the mm. subgenre and brings it into the 21st century with a fascinating and welcome LGBTQ spin. Mm-hmm. Um, with a fascinating multi-tiered female central character played excellently by Vanessa Paradis. Um, She's gorgeous She is in it. awesome oh. in that movie. Um, and also 
uh, just an enormous amount of just an enormous amount of style. Mm-hmm. I think I think on a on a purely kinetic, visually stylish level, well, actually multi sensory stylish level, it's maybe my favorite movie of the year. Has an excellent score by M eighty three, which I leaped out and bought. You know, the day after I saw the film, uh, it, it's a cross between your average Giallo and the underrated but very good William Friedkin um, thriller uh, Cruising. And it just, it's funny, it's smart, uh, without being too self-conscious, and uh, it it was just, I I saw it three times in a theater um, uh, in very rapid succession. I just really enjoyed it. And it it nails the period. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels feels so... It could be taken right from the Yeah, absolutely. Everything, the score, the visuals, the films within films, the character's style, Mm -hmm. it, it, it just does so much right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's on my list. It's absolutely And I am going to actually abstain on this one. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, I feel yeah. kind of bad that it escaped. And so for some reason in my mind, it was 2018. And so I... Uh, I, I think I saw it. Kim Gibson. Yes, yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. And... Uh, it's it was the and the no one style invited me. It. I think we did. You I think we did. Yeah, I couldn't make him speak a dick. Yeah, <laughs> and I, like, I like I watched it that first time. Like that that Sif. I'm like I feel like I missed something. Cause I feel like everyone like. Well, then I went back and watched it again and shattered. I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. I, think I, I, was, I was really. It was a midnight show. So it's really tired. It is <laughs> streaming. It is streaming on Shutter. So Shutter, for like, those of you yeah. who have not had a chance to see it, uh, watch it. It is it is really spectacular. Yeah, um, yeah. T- Tony says everything I have to say about Knife Passart. Like I loved it, but he said everything so much better. It's not in my top ten, but it's it's pretty solidly up there. Well, I feel um, like we do. I do have to say that that crafting my top ten this year was really hard. There were so many movies that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. so many movies that I thought were strong. My I had to. My list of honorable mentions was so long. I had to really really take a knife to it just because I want to like throw out a bunch of yes well (laughs) I wanted to throw out a bunch of titles because I feel like there's so much I saw this year that I loved and or at least really really enjoyed and that that is complete fucking opposite for me I had 11 movies that I was thought was worthy of talking about I have one honorable mention I have so (laughs) many movies I still like that I'm I'm genuinely sad I won't get to talk more in depth about because uh, there was so much this year that I saw that I enjoyed yeah. or I felt was, was Sounds really... like an article right to be written. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> fun, fun. Just give me a deadline. I'll be good. Tomorrow. Okay. Wow, right Done. <laughs> Done, Bob. Is this this contextless list? Kim like, says this. This is list. <laughs> <laughs> I can write articles. I just, I, I like deadlines because then they happen. <laughs> good point. Yes. Right. Anyway. Uh, so for my number six, we are looking at Sam Mendes' new war film, uh, Lens by Roger Deakins, beautifully, a 1917. Mm. Uh, World War One. I, uh, I luckily got to got to see a screener, uh, yeah. a screening of it, um, because it comes out wide. It came out in a couple theaters on Christmas and comes out wide, wide January release, 10th. Yeah. Um, it was so amazing to see it uh, early, which is great. They did research into World War One um, stuff because it's a hundred year anniversary of that. Oh shit! Had, yeah, uh, of the end of the uh, the end of war, uh, which we had. What was it uh, like back then, Kim? <laughs> it was a dark time. It was a cold time. Actually, I'm the one you should be hitting with that particular running gag. <laughs> <laughs> the elderly I, one here. I do apologize, Tony, but you are the most youthful one. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, <laughs> you're a deer and a jewel coat. Yeah, it's the, the, the hundred anniversary since the end of why we had um, the Chanel girl last year, which we talked about uh-huh. uh, that, and then. Um, 
But also, like, 50 years since Manson, when I have so many Manson things, it's a different subject. Um, ah! But this is filmed like it's too long. People keep saying one long shot is a really obvious break halfway through. Um, but it's two unbroken shots where you can kind of see where it happened. Uh, but that really brings a lot of beauty to it and surreal nature to it. Some ways it moves into horror a little bit uh, without particular known no, but particular. Yeah, I lost ability to speak uh, <laughs> of what particular moments here, but it is incredibly tense uh, with a lot of character for something that's like a 95-minute straight-through thing. Oh, um, wow. 95 minutes for it, an epic? Uh, it's actually, I think it's actually about an hour and 45, ultimately. That's, for, for, you know, for a historic epic, that's quite compact. You gotta pick I'm something. impressed. I can't have you lying to me, Bob. <laughs> all about the running time. It's either 95 I minutes. Yet. I don't know. Or it's uh, an hour 45, but it can't be both. <laughs> Maybe it can be. Take off the credits. Uh, but it's so incredibly beautiful and so well done. Whereas uh, Roger Deakins, you know, is a cinematographer. So oh, good lord. You, you can't. Yeah. That man <laughs> yeah. is an artist. Um, period. Like, I didn't know it was him while watching it, but, I'm thinking, but I was watching like, this is gorgeous. And then at the end, like, oh, yeah, there we are. Uh, and then... Uh, George McKay, um, as one of the soldiers saw him in um, 1122... George McKay is in this? <laughs> different. George <laughs> McKay. George McKay. I'm sorry. From, uh, 1122... What did say? The actor's going to be big. Um, and then the kid who plays Tommen from um, Game of Thrones is in there, too. Um, as the other man. Oh, my. Now, that much of that's going to get in your voice and make you like uh, Claude Rains. That's why he has such a great voice to breathe the mustard gas. Um, <laughs> random, random fact about, right. about, about Claude Rains. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, 1917 is hey, don't speak ill of Claude just a I love Claude Rains. gorgeous, edgier seat. Family. Uh, really getting into the horrors and the nastiness of World War uh, One without being too mm-hmm. like what exactly is happening because you kind of speaking these two guys plugged out of everything. So when it comes out wide, I highly recommend you go check that out. I will say I, I am glad that there are... I, I'm not one that's huge for war movies, partially because I was forced to watch every single war movie that came out in the 1940s and 50s and 60s when I was a child. I'm looking forward to that Midway one. Wait for me. It already came out. It, it already came like, out? It's Fuck. out and it's done. It yeah. came out in November, dude. Yeah, Fuck. It's, been, it's been in and out. So you didn't wait for it. It didn't wait for you. It didn't <laughs> wait for me. Shit. I, I'm glad that we're seeing some more World War One ones. Yeah. Uh, I still can't say that war movies in general are the thing I rush out and go see personally, again, because I was forced to watch all of them as a child. Um, but uh, this one did look intriguing, and for me to say that about a war film is that isn't Wonder Woman is saying something. Yeah, if you're, because the <laughs> thing with World War I movies movie. is that you're preaching, approaching things from a different point. Like, World yeah. War II movies have been played out in the same way, have in the they? same way, in the same way. <laughs> They're always almost the same. Yes, they are. Uh, I mean, because World War I movies have been different, and it's also different. War, well, different way people I, well, I don't think yeah, there's been as many, really. Yeah, yeah, no, no, play no. All Quiet on the Western Front is like the most significant. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. To play with it a little too. bit more too, because the Nazis were the bad guys in that scenario. Yeah, like, easily. There's, I mean, like you could play with the Central Powers. You know, they're not. I think it, it's it part of why I find gray. World War One a little bit more interesting is that in World War Two, it's so obvious. I, which sounds like a horrible thing to say, but like, talk to me when it's about the Russian Revolution. Well, no, but I mean, I I Russian find Russia. the 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 fact that World War One was built on such a bullshit 
Yes. Everything? Yeah. Yes. I find that to be so interesting. Everything kind of rolling out of their... Yeah. They couldn't help. Where with World War II, nobody is disputing yeah. the re, like the atrocities or... or the president probably is. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. But I, but I mean, there's, 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 not a, there's not a whole lot of gray in World War II. Where World War I is all gray areas in general. Um, and I find that dramatically more interesting. Uh, maybe it's a theater nerd in me that's like, there's, there's. No, I think I think that there's something. It is more play-like. Well, yeah. There's more. Well, there's more complexity to it because yes. it's such an ambiguous scenario. I, you know, I mean, I still to this day, you know, if you ask somebody how World War One, how World War Two started. Everyone knows. Oh yeah. If somebody asks how World War One started, it's <laughs> not as easy. You know, it's like ah. Uh, we a lot of notes. As a teenager, that, that too, oh, and it gets God. even better. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino needs to make a movie. No, that's he historically doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He never does. He doesn't need to ever do that ever. He doesn't need to do anything. He needs to go away. <laughs> but, uh, yes, nineteen seventeen. presents. I should have more wine. <laughs> I would. I I would do things if that ever happens. Um, it would be bad things, and I would probably later be arrested. Anyway, that's yes. not good. I have other ones. Moving over to number five. <laughs> Mine's Midsummer. Midsummer. Right. Yeah. What can I say that I've already haven't said? Great movie. Mm-hmm. Visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Ari Aster does a good job of you know where it's going. Mm-hmm. He still takes you on a great ride. Mm-hmm. Um. Great grief piece. Mm. Almost an opposite grief piece. Like a joyous grief, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's a certain Lawrence amount of Bude's catharsis grief. at the end. There's a huge amount of catharsis mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. And, you know, finding out that all the sacrifices were alive. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got some, so I'm not going to edit that spoiler out. Like <laughs> that one, we're not going to edit. For, for those oh. of, yeah, well, and for those of you who, because Bob has now edited all this out, might be wondering, Bob earlier spoiled something, and he then went and edited it out, because I may have given him a little bit of shit about <laughs> good it. Reason. And, and Cody might not ever let Bob live that down. No, no, because no. Bob is such a prima donna about spoilers. <laughs> I say this with love. But, um, that any further reference throughout the podcast of us giving Bob crap because he spoiled something, that is what we were <laughs> referencing. He spoiled something, and then he's thankfully edited it out. Because it was a mistake. It was well, a mistake, yes. and you admitted it, and we will one day let you move on. One day. But not today. Um, another thing that I actually we kind of haven't really addressed about Midsummer that I think is worth mentioning is I think that its portrayal of the boyfriend is very interesting because I think that it is it is fairly obvious this guy is a total dickhead, but it is you don't get clubbed over the head with it, and so the and so the and so the fact that that the movie develops the way it develops is there's a little bit more nuance to it than you would normally think. If if the character if that character was sketched out more broadly, I think arguably the movie would not have worked as well. And I think the part of the part of why the movie works so well is because the characterizations in it uh, at least amongst most of the centrals are very strong. Well, and what's interesting too is that in an interview um or it may have been he was at one of the screenings and gave an interview afterwards, the actor who played the boyfriend does not believe his character is 
awful. He doesn't think his character. Yeah, that doesn't exactly endear him. But I, but I, I think it's actually really appropriate. But yeah, well, yeah, and it works. The thing is, even if he's oblivious to that, yeah, that works for the movie because the yeah. because the character's oblivious to it. Because the, again, the character. I'm going to talk more about my thoughts on Midsummer when I get to on my list. But the the character because he's not maliciously bad. He's not somebody. He's a bad boyfriend. And he's a dick. He's a lawful evil. Yeah. He genuinely <laughs> believes that he's a good guy. He's not yeah. he's not doing anything to genuinely be a dick. No. He just is. He just he just exists in a level of dickness that a lot of guys do. Yep. Um anyway. <laughs> but I'm gonna talk more about Midsummer. Hey, number five. My number five is Book Smarts. Nice. Hmm. Uh and uh, I mean kind of building off of what's already been said about it, um, it's it's so much fun. It's funny, and it's the kind of raunchy funny for ladies that I really appreciate. I will say this, and spoilers ahead. Not a big spoiler, but in the middle that's of the so movie, funny. yes, when they're playing the porn in it. Oh, how yes, else to, that's fucking hilarious. It's hysterical, and I've never and could been... be crass, but it works. But crass in a way that because okay, like I super bad. Yeah, I don't get it. I do not get the appeal. I just don't. I tried. I tried real hard. And a lot of those movies... And, and, and I, I hate coming down to something being funny or not funny to a certain gender because I think that that's dumb. But I will say there have been a lot of movies that have played in a similar vein that are very much more directed towards, I think, a male audience. And I really appreciated... Um, a a movie that was female driven, female directed, female written. Like I'm sorry, girls are dirty. We are so damn dirty. We are the women I know are so much dirtier than most of the men I know. We just tend to talk about it in very different circles. Uh, and so I kind of appreciate the chance to see this gleeful uh, debauchery a little bit. Um, and and Billy Lord, my God, uh, I All just this movie oh, needed man. was a grapefruit in your man joke. <laughs> uh, but I I I just think it's really it's really great. I I like the um, without spoiling too much the kind of awkward uh, sex scene that happens <laughs> from a, again very much from a woman's perspective. Um, uh, it's 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 fantastic, and and if you have not seen it yet, you should watch it. Tony, number five. Number five. My number five was my favorite audience pleasing crowd blockbuster of the year, and that was Avengers Endgame. Yes, which we've talked about at length on our Marvel mm-hmm. podcast. But I I just want to reiterate, I it's just one of those movies. It's one of those rare blockbusters that just for me at least, hits all of the right spots. It Getting back to something that's come up earlier, it has an enormous amount of heart. Mm-hmm. It's got all of the action that you want. It has humor that actually rises from the characters and is not uh, like an obnoxious sore thumb. And I just was thoroughly, thoroughly entertained. And I also thought it had the most wonderful, sweet poignant closing scene, quiet closing scene of a blockbuster Marvel superhero movie ever. Mm-hmm. Loved, loved, loved it. 
OTP of that series. Oh, right? see, Captain Bucky or mine, but <laughs> for everybody, or <laughs> Captain Sam, or yeah, Captain everybody, just, we all love Cap. Yeah, it's just great. I, I'm glad it's on yours. It was at one point in time, it was on mine, and then actually, just this week, I've seen a couple movies that that kind of bumped it off, so it became part of my honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, I I very heavily love the Marvel movies, um, which may not be a popular thing to say but honestly i'm with you is superhero movies were never a huge thing for me until the mcu uh and i thought endgame just it it had this really nice blend of you had well and and i think for for robert downey jr who started the mcu yeah um it was really kind of a a a love song for him uh it gave him some wonderful acting opportunities the the tony stark arc uh, reactor. Dark reactor was, I think, a very um, from from the very first Iron Man movie to now. Uh, there's been a lot, and and this was a really satisfying conclusion to his story specifically. Uh, with again, without, I, I mean, I kind of feel like People anyone, at, yeah, I, I mean, anyone we're, we're speaking to at home this. has seen this. Um, if not, pause it. We'll watch Disney Plus and come back. Yeah. I mean, I'll say again, talking about movies, I cried. I went and saw this inadvertently in theaters three times. I saw it with my fellow City of Geekers. I went and saw it for a friend's birthday, and then I took my parents to see this. And I cried when at those last moments with Tony every time. And one of the things that I... I'm just glad Robert Downey Jr. is actually still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. They didn't kill him to make the movie. I I really enjoyed the fact that, that his last moments with Pepper, too, I liked that it wasn't her being like, don't go. It was poor little Peter Parker doing that. <laughs> but she was being, she was just like, we're going to be okay. You can rest. It's okay. Yeah. And I, I liked that for a lot of reasons. Um... It was, you know, it was, I, I, I had a little bit of beef with, with how Black Widow was treated, but, um, for, I, will, I will agree with that. Yeah. I, I think that's unfortunate to do to, again, your only, not your only, but your only female Avenger. Yeah. And one of your few female characters, I'm sorry, MCU, you do have a Scarlet woman problem. Witch. Also female. It's right. been mistreated though. But she, so. yeah, uh. Her writing has been underwhelmed. This comes from my wife, who's a huge. Well, I, I, I think they're going to fix that in the new Doctor Strange. Right? Yeah, we'll find it. I, I, I very Assuming much hope so. Like it's fixed or broken middle issues. It's really hope it's from how it goes, but we'll um, gets crossed. But it, it it really is. Uh, I I think that what I sort of wished in the last Star Wars and didn't get is partially because my expectations were set high by by Avengers Endgame and and how you can properly oh, close yeah, out totally. something. There's you know, in fact, when we get to our opposite opposite spectrum list. Uh-oh. 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 Uh when it when it comes to Avengers like talk about like of those all those moments that we talk that we talked about on the podcast or we've talked about in general since then, they're all earned after 22. Yes. Of course 22 movies of build up, but it's well-earned build up. It's this really good will coming in. Uh, I still say Cap with the Hammer is oh, moment of the year. Yes! Like, I got literal goosebumps. And I watched it twice that night with you guys, and I watched it a couple times since, and I worked at the movie theater, so I got to see the scene again and again and again. Every single time, just like... Because it's that affecting. And then the the whole Avengers Assemble 
scene after that. Mm-hmm. Something like that, when everyone's running down the battlefield, every person, not everyone, but a good chunk of the people we've met in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point, even Howard the Duck is there, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Horus giant, goddamn gun. Um, when that moment happens, it's so, it's just the culmination of everything. Yeah, it feels And it never well felt like, like it was fan service. Absolutely. It never felt like it was it was it was faked out, and everyone has their and the, as as it did in um, Civil War and Infinity War, uh, everyone has their moment. Um, if you came in for your particular character, they get their time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as others that they were dusted out the previous time. Um, but yeah, it's an incredibly earned movie. This movie Excuse also was in my top ten for a while, then moved itself down. It's like yeah. number seventeen Whiplash now. Whiplash did not get any time. Whiplash my character is dead. did not <laughs> get Whiplash. Mickey Rourke. Oh my god! <laughs> and Iron Man two. We don't talk about Iron Man. We don't Man talk 2. about Iron Man two. Bob five. Huh? Yes, but I'm gonna say I'm glad Tony brought it up because it was also one of the movies that didn't quite make my top ten, but did very really well. My number five is Midsummer. Which we first um. talked the hell out about. Um, I will say I'll just add the other thing I'll add to it because we talked we talked about nearly everything I had to say about it um, is that just uh, I mentioned briefly about how like everything happens in the daytime. Some stuff happens at night, but how that movie has, has a strong feeling of disturbance throughout it because like little things you don't notice when you're watching, but then you realize when you when you see videos about it or talking about it, like the faces that are hidden in the crowd, the faces mm. that are hidden in the nature, mm-hmm. the way that the background is slightly shifting a lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, is kinda it's something you don't really quite notice. Maybe like, oh there's 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 this but if you're focusing on a major point you don't realize that everything else is a little bit off kilter and that it kinda makes you have that weird feeling. In the same way that Irreversible had that um, earthquake Resonance in the first act of that, uh, it may something's not quite right, uncanny valley maybe type thing, <laughs> not quite yeah. the same, but the same idea. Uh, I did catch one of the faces when we watched it in the theater, uh, and then I've seen videos of where the other faces show up later. I tried to show it to my wife, and I was like, "No, who <laughs> get me out?" Because it's something you don't realize, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, so I think I, I did a great job. And my other final note on that is. Uh, I don't. She doesn't listen to this, but so my sister Deanna uh, is marrying a Swedish guy uh, on Midsummer next year. Ooh! She was at Midsummer this year, uh, and it was reaching her same crown of same crown of flowers, same place, with the same figures in the background, and like the same like uh, singles and everything. And I was like, it's like Deanna, are they gonna sacrifice? She's like, no, I've seen the movie. They're not gonna sacrifice. Me. <laughs> So you're thinking sacrifice your friends? I'm not coming to your wedding. I want to marry a Swedish person just so there's somebody gets sacrificed. Uh, her, her fiance is great. Like he's uh, and and his daughter is great. We met them in New York, and but that's a whole different thing. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like it's like Deanna, are you gonna are you gonna get sacrificed? Or um, but yeah, uh, but Midsummer. It's like I'm glad that it showed up in like all of this. I think. I don't yeah. know. Um, we haven't gotten to it in yeah, mind still, still, but so it is on my list. About. We're still more to talk about. Uh, Cody, moving on. Number four. Number four. Well, we went through this pretty quickly, actually. By our we haven't said yeah. our last, our yeah. worst five yet either. True. When are we doing those? Yeah, worst five. Uh, after number, before number three, I think. Okay. Cody. Uh, one cut of the dead. Ooh, I really uh, like that one. Oh, you know what? That's been on my list to watch, and I, I meant to see it. Either. Yeah, I meant to watch it before because I thought it might make my top ten, but I it just I didn't have time. Yeah, it <laughs> came close to top ten in the. I've heard now, nothing but, but fantastic but, uh, things about it. Go ahead, tell us about one cut and why it worked for you. Um, I thought it really worked as a comedy, and I thought it really worked as when they do. It's it's super fucking meta. It starts out 
like ha- uh, there's like three th- three parts of the movie. Yeah, three strong acts. Mm-hmm. And each of them are completely different. To see the initial movie that's made, how it gets made, and then the actual shooting of the movie from behind the scenes works so well. It's got fun. It's funny. It's got heart. It's got some good gore and other effects. I thought it was just really. It's really fucking fun. And you know, it's one of those ones where I say the first act is one unbroken take, forty-two yes. whole minutes. Oh, forty-two wow. consecutive minutes—that's fantastic. And it's a, kind of a basic zombie movie in one location with yeah, the yeah. characters, but it works pretty well. And then I didn't know where it was going to go from there. Of course, she just went into the making of it afterwards. Uh, but yeah, that's but I thought the happen actual... from the ultimate point of view was so amazing. You with us? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Sorry, I'm texting <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, so Winka is great. I mean, I especially really liked the heart behind the actual, like, director in it, and I thought that it was very, just, well, it's just it's just a fun movie. And I had a great time. I went and saw it with my friend Nicole. We went mm. and saw it one night. Um, and I only, I, I only saw it because she had an extra ticket. I'm like, yeah, okay. I like a zombie movie. All right. You know, and then, um, as I said, I would describe it if as like noises off with the zombie movie. If you, oh, you're, you're familiar with zombie, yeah. Uh, in, the, in that Ooh. same way, where you're kind of yeah, you're seeing it from one act, and then you're seeing huh. behind the scenes and everything behind it that kind of wanders its way through, and all the calamities and. Um, but I I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's on Shutter <laughs> streaming there. I yeah. wanted to see it in theaters. It had a pretty decent theatrical run, and, and at SIF for like they extended it like twice. Mm-hmm. They played it at the Issaquah Film Festival. Uh, the night before, started streaming, um, and then, but I didn't get a chance to see it theatrically. But it would have been great to see it with an audience. Uh, it was fun to watch at home, but seeing it with an audience and the reactions of each yeah, the, re- the audience was really good. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah, one cut is also not in my top ten, but pretty it's it's up there. So it's good to see us talking about it because that's definitely one of my honor- honorable mentions. Um, Kim, uh, my number four is Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep, nice. I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I think part of my enjoyment also just stemmed from the fact that I was real skeptical that you could translate this book to screen. Um, so you've read the book? Yes. Reliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, wait, what? <laughs> That uh, was very like Tourette's. <laughs> 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 Ryan, again, that's on the list, but it's not this list. Um, I, Bob and I recently, before Doctor Sleep came out, about what maybe a month before or so, uh, went and saw in theaters The Shining, and I'd seen The Shining the again. The Shining, a handful of times. <laughs> and uh. What struck me about watching on the big screen is that for the first time, I could see why Stephen King hated it. And it was it had never clicked with me before. But watching it on the big screen, the lack of development of, of um, Jack's character. I mean, he starts as a shit human being. And remains a shit human being and I, and and I could understand where the novel for Stephen King was such a personal one that to have that lack of um, struggle uh, yeah of inbuilt empathy for that character yeah, yeah like you don't like him he's an awful person he's ready to act his family from the opening yeah season. from <laughs> like, if, if, if he'd gone home after learning he got the job and just off his family I would have been like yeah that makes sense uh, 
where where the the novel is so much about the struggle and and you see the struggle and and that the good trying to shine through at the moments where it needs to um so i it really really clicked for me why stephen king hated it it is a very like it's gorgeous the 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 uh cinematography the way some of those shots are set up as an exercise in style it is it is second to none it's second to none exudes uh just like the the midsummer exudes uncomfortableness yeah but it it's it's cold it's very cold which is a kubrickian thing anyway yeah but but watching on the big screen it made me really uh see it in a way i'd never noticed it before watching on my television um, I, it also, I gotta say, the, the, the treatment of the African-American character was, uh, unfortunate, particularly because, in, again, in, in the novel, he's not off <laughs> within 20 seconds of bursting onto the scene, but, uh, the Doctor Sleep was visually so satisfying, uh, and I think it really bridged the the book and then Kubrick's movie. Mm. It, it found a way to be respectful to both. Exactly. And and respectful then to King's novel uh, in a way that I was really doubtful was going to be possible. The performances were exceptional, particularly, and I looked her name up. Uh, because of how uh, Rebecca Ferguson, mm. who plays Rose, yeah. Rose, Rose the Hat, and my fucking god, she owns that movie. Oh, it yes. is, it really is, is as good as everyone is, and everyone is a- absolutely spectacular. But it is her movie. Uh, she is mesmerizing on screen. And every moment, and her physicality, and her voice, and her intensity are are just beautiful to watch. Uh, and I, I honestly, if I if I had a criticism, it's that I wanted to spend more time with her and her group because the they created such a compelling and interesting version of them that all uh, the crow and all of them, I wanted to spend more time there. I would have happily watched a whole movie that was them because we're they with Lurch. I can't remember the actor's name right now, but yeah, but because they, yeah, they, they were extremely interesting. And even though you're, you're not supposed to root for them and, and the scene specifically spoilers, 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 yeah. specifically where a certain, where, where they are. I, these are light spoilers where they are dispatching of a character. Mm. Uh, and, and it is a, which I really appreciate that 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 children, and it it, it had an impact. That uh, was a heartbreaking scene. It was. It was a. It was an absolutely heartbreaking scene. But f- I was so thankful they didn't shy away from doing yeah. that. I was kind of concerned when they like, are they going to cut this? But no, it's my no. He's not going to cut it. He showed it. He, he showed it in <laughs> detail and in heartbreaking detail. And but I think it was a stronger film because of it, because. It also really, because that, because, because Rose the Hat and her band of characters are so charismatic and are so intensely interesting, 
You needed that because you needed to see what they were doing. And you can really like them on screen, but you also have to really understand they are the bad guys. Yeah, and they're some of my favorite parts. I really like the novel, and they're my favorite parts of the novel, exploring the true knot and the what they're up to in their world. Yeah, Uh, and also having you know, it's not spoilers because it's in trailers. Like psychic vampires, Mm -hmm. essentially, yeah, uh, is in a different way of approaching the shine. People feed from it instead Mm -hmm. of like using it uh, in a different way. It's it's a different approach. I thought it was fantastic. Eat eat well, live long. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Uh, and then it might like a. What we do in the shadows, Colin, uh, Colin Robinson. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Just feeding on their energy in that way. It's like, it's, like a, it's, it's so original in that, in that case. And the way they portrayed that, like with the steam, it could have gone really hokey. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really, I thought it was really nicely done. And it's uh, it's because it relates of course to Danny there, the way that negative energy affects you. Yeah, they they thrive on it, and he shuds away from it and fucks him up. You know, but it. It was, for me, it was a real surprise. I didn't think I'd like it as much as I did. I didn't think it would stick with me as much as it did. And and I was disappointed that it didn't do better than it did because I, I really think it's an exceptional film and I, I think it's a really well done film. And uh, I hope it does well at home. Yeah, I hope people, I hope people watch it. Watch it streaming, rent it, whatever. Because it's, it, it's worth it. And if you're worried that either you you're worried that you don't know the shiny enough or you haven't seen or you haven't read Doctor Sleep and, and it won't be accessible, it very much is. So I wouldn't get hung up on that. Um, it, it is very much worth a watch. Uh, Tony. I'm looking forward to seeing it actually myself. Um, my number four continuing on the um, you know uh, <laughs> interesting sophomore efforts from uh, filmmakers whose first uh, piece of work really impressed me. Um, Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse Ooh, is yeah. my number four choice. Higher than mine. Haven't seen it. I, I, I Wanted to. have not seen a film like this maybe ever. Um, there is something completely and utterly unique about this movie. It is equal parts... Character drama, horror movie, absurdist comedy, uh, neo-surrealism, Lovecraftian stuff. It's really, it really is. It's one of those movies that I can completely see why it alienated a significant portion of humanity, which, you know... I, I tend to gravitate towards things like that anyway. Um, I just really... It's anchored by two very good performances... Um, I I think uh, Willem Dafoe has a monologue towards the end of the film that is absolutely one for the ages, and I think Robert Pattinson. Uh, one of the one of the things that I think is crucial if you're watching a period film, and the Lighthouse is set at the turn of the 20th century, mm-hmm. is that the actors who are in it need to feel like they are of the time. Yes. And I, uh, hello, Brad Pitt, Troy. No. Um, <laughs> but Willem Dafoe, the Lighthouse. Yes. yes. And Pattinson yes. with that handlebar mustache mm. and just the angles of his face. Um, it's a wonderful exploration of uh, of a descent into madness. Uh, and it also has one of the eeriest closing shots of any movie that I've seen oh, in the yeah. last five years. Mm. That And it's, it's very open-ended, but at the same time, incredibly creepy um I, I just really it's it is not for everyone it is beyond slow burn it is almost no burn slow burn but it is i was riveted from moment one and 
it's one of those movies, and these are my favorite kinds of films, that just plops you into the middle of its own pocket universe. And if you just go with it, it, it takes you to places that you've never been before. I just I just was absolutely captivated. So, you know, when the first noise you get out of it, anyone in the movie is Willem Dafoe farting. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I still haven't seen it, but I do remember reading a, uh, that there are some significant fart jokes. Oh, yes. Which, oh, I, which I appreciate. Yeah. It is an homage It is homage to flatulence that actually is very affecting in many other ways. All right. Besides the flatulence. Hard. Yeah, I, it's later on my list, so I'll oh, remove most of my thoughts and until then. So right. I'm going to table my... My end of thoughts on you guys seen that? They said you haven't seen it. You seen I haven't seen it yet. No. <clears throat> I spent that time getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would like for the people at home who maybe can't hear this right now that um, Cody's wife, who was here with us, just laughed when he said that. <laughs> I found uh, it My number four is <laughs> uh, yeah is is a movie that I don't think anyone else here seen because I don't think anybody saw it. Uh, is Freaks. <laughs> Uh, starring Emil Hirsch and uh, Bruce Stern. Stern. Okay, not the one I was thinking. Not Todd Browning from 1930 something. Damn. <laughs> Somehow, 70 years late, watching it. 80 years. Late. I was like, I don't think that was 2019, Bob. No. Um, um actually, Bob. <laughs> spoiler alert. We're not doing top 10 for 1933. I know that you like Shit. to spoil things, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Freaks is a movie I won't spoil because it is so astounding in the way that the story develops. Because you're given, uh, there's very little direct exposition. You're plopped into, the, like, like as you're plopped in this world uh, through the eyes of a like an eight year old girl, and you're seeing everything through her point of view at first. So you're trying to figure out what, but you, but you're watching. You're starting to get the information, and you're wondering what she's being told from her dad, Emil Hirsch, is true and what's not. And so she can see uh, ultimate information. But inter- but the the details of this world are dropped on you. From a line, from a from an offshoot, from a, a little bit here, like wait, what? If this is this, and this is this, and it never directly spoons feeds you I where it's that. going to go. Uh, and I spent the first act like, where is this? And then like, what is the truth in this situation? And as you start finding more, you're still trying to questioning what this. It's not all about that because it's about the the interaction between her and her dad and Bruce Stern and the way this entire world is. Um, without spoiling where everything goes in this case. Um, I went, but it's it it kind of came and, and went away with a, and like almost like a wet fart. It's um, it's uh, it's marketing was non-existent. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't get much more. It came out in the middle of August, so it kind of like came out and fizzled. Uh, now it's out in DVD, and um, I want to buy it and watch it a couple more times. It's on Amazon Prime too. Okay, it was nice. it was like high up on my list. I really I didn't have time to watch it. And I, I actually really think did. you would really like this. Oh, um, I'm sure. And I and when you told when you told me about it after you'd initially seen it, I was like, wow. Yes, like uh, my friend, uh, my friend Wyatt, who was at the "Don't Let Now Don't Look Now" screening with it, uh, "Don't Let Go" screening with us. Don't let go, Bob. Don't forget about that. <laughs> he uh, he recommended it to me because he saw it right before I did. He said it was his favorite movie of the year at that point, and I trust him uh, explicitly. So I so I went to see it based on his recommendation, and then I fell in love with it um, because of how well it treats a interesting, different story. But without handholding and letting the audience figure things out, the set design's great, the production design's wonderful, um, and watching it unfold was an absolute treat. So if so, apparently it's on Amazon Prime, according to Tony, so I recommend uh, that. Is it worse time? 
Huh? Is it worst time? Oh, Cody is so, so excited. He's right. so excited. At this point, I'm going to note that we have been doing this for about two hours to cut some out here. So this will be the ending, the part one of the podcast. So put us in two parts so we're not uh, spending five hours with you. So, uh, so tune in in a couple of days as worst. we, worst. As we worst. get into the worst, worst, worst <laughs> and the best uh, of the year from us. Uh, Cody is waiting. So I think we'll wait and record next week. No, I'm kidding. I'm Brando, kidding. why you fucked me like this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, of course, if you... Uh, yeah, the middle one. Okay. Um, it's this 2018, but not. she showed me freaks on that. I'm, I'm making a list of things I haven't seen that I want to on my letterbox. Okay, enough with the chit-chat. Uh, you know what? Time. Fuck you, Cody. Thank you. Join us again in a couple of days for, for, for the share there. Uh, please share us currently as, as they are and come back a couple of days for the for the last half. Subscribe to City Peak Podcast. And I'm going to steal something that I should have mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, steal something from Eric Morgan of Strange Eons. Uh, if you give us a good review or share us with a positive remark and give me a title, I will watch that movie. <laughs> so you could throw Ooh. anything at me. I know Tony did that for uh, for uh, right, Sir, Your Killer yes. for Eons. I have uh, which we had a great time with. By yes. the way, but we'll uh, so we'll see you in a couple days and we'll finish recording this wait, in Bob, a couple wait, minutes. Wait, 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 Bob. What <laughs> you? I have liked, right and up. I've uh, found this podcast because I'm a part of it. So now you have to watch the Grinch porn. I will make so. But anyway, uh, like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. And with our worst and be- and final best of the year. All right, everybody.